Douglas Charles Hastings held his finger above the key of the supercomputer. He glanced at the entrance doors. The night security guard was looking into the room again, as he did every hour. Doug had waved his hand each time. When he did so again, the guard nodded and disappeared. Doug focused on the keyboard again and read the instructions printed on the screen. Function merges all files. Doug had been in front of this keyboard for twelve continuous hours, entering the data he had collected by subjecting hundreds of photographs taken during the Apollo missions to the moon to state-of-the-art computer enhancement. He was hooked when his computer work exposed objects hidden in the shadows of the old photographs. The bits and pieces had geometric shape and appeared to be artificial. He had referred to NASA's detailed orbital position records, published in the catalogs for each mission, and established coordinates on the lunar surface for the anomalous bits of evidence. After twelve tedious hours, all the data was in the memory banks of the supercomputer. Doug had to know the results of his search. He pressed the key. When he saw the indications of the computer processing the information, he got up and went to the window of the supercomputer Time Lease Center in Des Moines, Iowa, and looked up at the moon. He studied the lunar disk in the night sky as he massaged his hands together. Doug stretched to his full six feet of height, put his hands on his back, and rotated his lean athletic shoulders and neck, then looked around at the large cool room, a place he had been many times during his computer programming career. There were twelve cubicles, each with a supercomputer, a special functions keyboard, and an 18-by-24-inch monitor. His favorite, Terminal Number 7, was busy assembling an enormous base of information. All the others were still and quiet. He glanced at his watch, 1.40 a.m., he returned to the computer, sat down in the high-back swivel chair, and eyed the monitor. His pulse quickened as he waited for it to assemble the hundreds of enhanced photographs. A thousand miles away, an agent tossed and turned in his sleep. He was hearing the mechanical breathing sounds again. He pushed back the covers and sat up. Standing at the foot of his bed was an astronaut in an Apollo spacesuit, holding a tank of emergency oxygen under each arm. The agent stared at the darkened faceplate. Go away! Go away! He begged, jolting himself awake. The image was gone. The agent was in a cold sweat, gasping for breath. He grasped the sheet and wiped the perspiration from his face and neck, then looked at the clock, 1.40 a.m., he got out of bed and walked out on the apartment balcony and took a breath of fresh air, then leaned on the hand railing. The shadow of the canopy support, cast by the full moon, cut across his arms. He straightened up and looked at the lunar disk. I had to. I had to do it. The brightness of the full moon made a distinct shadow of the sixty-foot marquee in front of the time lease center fall across a lone car in the parking lot. Inside the building, at terminal number seven, a supercomputer was gleaning a coherent, geometrically complete image from hundreds of source photographs containing only bits and pieces of anomalous shapes. 
The data processing finally stopped. Two seconds later, there was a burst of light, and an image appeared on the monitor. Doug stared, transfixed, as the image registered in his mind. Displayed on the screen was the ruins of an ancient crystalline city under a broken and shattered glass dome. Oh, my God! Doug breathed, then pushed the chair aside and stood to study the image. He reacted with a start when the guard opened the door and stepped into the room. You okay? the guard asked. Uh, yeah, Doug said, blocking the guard's view of the monitor with his body. I stood to stretch and almost knocked over the chair.